Welcome to Kyle and Dave versus the Machine. My name is Kyle. I'm not having any of it. And I'm the Machine. Dave, you only agree <laughs> so with 60% of the people who watch this movie. Scarbage. This is a podcast where Kyle. a sentient machine is forcing each season to watch movies from a specific year <laughs> in order to prevent it from starting the apocalypse. That year just so happened... <laughs> I'm getting verklempt here. That year just so happens to be the year 2018. <laughs> the, the machine still threatens our lives if we so don't review the out. films it asks us to. Although we do tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. And today, we're going to be watching the film Under the Silver Lake. Garbage. Come on in! When I broke down, <laughs> I saw you spying on me earlier. No, I wasn't. See you tomorrow. Good. What the? Who moves out in the middle of the night? Nothing strange about it. She wanted to leave. How does that not make sense? I don't understand why she didn't tell me. Maybe she didn't like you. Maybe she knows you're poor and haven't paid your rent. I'm actually like leaning forward today. I'm like, uh -huh. I'm just so upset. Okay, so... So upset. We'll get to the intro here, to the rest of the intro in a second. You need to explain this to me because you are not the only... You're not unique in this response to this. I want to get out in front of okay. this and be like, okay. I 1,000% I understand if someone doesn't like this movie. 100% I understand that uh -huh. point of view. You need to explain to me why people get so angry at this movie as if like you this movie stole your children and kept them in a, in a cupboard or something I, like that it, this movie made me question whether i should continue this podcast really? anymore i just don't get it yeah. i honestly don't i can't get go it. to bed this upset uh well uh, you know honestly it should be the other way especially when the majority is on my side mm -hmm. so why the fuck do you think this movie is defensible in any way um i think that there's a lot to this movie, I like... Yeah, I'm asking you, what is it? Be specific. Oh, the, oh well, okay. Well, this is the hard part, Dave, because you, A, don't believe in subtext. Don't don't believe in subtlety. <laughs> I believe I believe in subtext that's intentional and not just a bunch of fucking oh, fan Oh, and, and that's the other thing. You don't think anything is intentional in films, apparently, because every time I try and bring it up, you're like, nope, doesn't exist, isn't true. Give me an true. example. Give me an example. Uh, it's too it's too much to ask that all right go go uh, let's get let's finish the the intro here and then we'll get into no, our fight we already started this thing you need to tell me why you give a shit about this quote-unquote movie well we, we we will get into that but people tune in to hear us fight about films <laughs> of course uh, actually they probably prefer that yeah. i mean this makes just sitting it does make a better listening mm. experience in in some ways but <laughs> but they also tune in because of our deep and rich fiction that we provide to them each and every week. We have come to an accord, Dave. All of these people that have been crowding around the condo, all these uh, figures that have shown up in our deep and rich fiction have been uh, slowly coming around. What and do we, we agree about? Uh -huh. have, uh -huh. We had our meeting here through this last week. We were right, coming to terms. Right. A lot of deliberations. Yeah, and they've yeah. slipped this note underneath the door here, which is just a series of images. It's a... I'm going to read it out to you here. See if you can crack the code, mm, God. which is a yak. Oh, it's just trying an ostrich, a unicorn, uh -huh. an aardvark, uh -huh. a rat, uh -huh. an elephant, uh -huh. a deer, wow. an elephant, an aardvark, oh, and a deer. God. I have no idea. I've, I, I can't I'm completely 
impenetrable, I would say. It's not what I heard. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I got nothing. Yeah, I we'll, forgot. We'll figure it out. I'm sure yeah. we'll figure it out. Right. I do want to get into the history. Uh, history. I want to get into our history with uh, some of the people involved in this film. I, to answer your question, there's a few tangible things that I can give to you that I like about this movie. And there are also some subtextual things that I love about this movie that will either make you want to lean in or completely reject it. And I don't know how else to frame it. I'm already, yeah, I'm already rejecting it. Yeah. Okay. Honestly, a thousand percent love how odd this movie is. These are the types of tones and films that I find myself liking to rewatch over and over again. I like big swings. Even if I end up not liking the film, I respect big swings from filmmakers. So the actual central mystery that's this the correct pause because you have to like struggle now to formulate your next no, defense. No, no, because <laughs> like I'm trying swings. to keep this okay, go, to go. the film because I'm as soon as I talk. get into the I'm stuff that's this outside run. of the film, you're going to get so mad. Mm. But that is a lot of it is from outside of the film of what I like about this movie so much. I like the central performance. I like the journey he goes on. I like all the weird characters he meets along the way. This is very much a neo-noir. So I'm totally down with that feeling of it. I like the central mystery. I like the resolution to that mystery. I do like the little what? ciphers that they throw into it every now and again. For what resolution? Okay, yeah. Keep going. Sorry. Let me let me be actually very specific with that. <laughs> when they say resolution, because mm -hmm. actually one of my criticisms is the ending to this movie, which I don't like very much. But uh, what I mean is like what he ultimately finds on his journey, like what he actually discovers, what the whole plot is leading up to. There's no plot. Okay, keep going. Keep going. I just fundamentally disagree with that. <laughs> I think it's very explicit what, it, what it's about. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, just before you continue, what is this piece of shit about? Uh, generally. It's so explicit. Okay, so I'm going to flip it. We're walking on the street and some fucking psychopath comes out dressed in a crown and says, Kyle, I heard this is a piece of shit. <laughs> Tell me what this is about. I think there... See, the hard part is I think it's about too many things. Oh, wow. You're waffling. No, You're waffling. You said it's a clear... You said it's a clear point. I think so this is, is very this much about? an indictment on capitalism as a, as a whole, but specifically multimillionaires who think that they have it all figured out. I think this is very squarely pointed towards like the Jeff Bezos's, Elon Musk's, etc. That is what I think this movie is ultimately about. I also think it's about a bunch of other stuff, but its main theme is that, is the people who think that they are above everybody else who think they are the new kings and queens of our modern society and being able to get away with anything that they want to get away with. That is essentially what this here's movie is the about. Weird, this is why, it, no. Yeah, that's exactly what the guy says at the very end. That is literally verbatim what he no, says. yeah. Because that's what makes it so fucking stupid. Because none of the rich people commit any crimes. Only this asshole does, number one. Well, you don't need every number single two, person in the world to commit a crime for it to make it be a no, theme. No, but if you're going to make an indictment or satirical uh, mention towards rich people, why are none of the rich people doing anything wrong? And it's only this psychopath you're fucking following around is murdering people. So, number one, let's... And the other thing is, uh, for someone... I have been on this huge communist sure. trip... And I'm very anti-consumerism, anti-cups. I didn't even get a hint of that shit. All I got was Andrew Garfield's butt, which is totally skewing your no, bias. No, it's not. That is so and dumb to say. I'm sorry. That's such, a, that's such protagonist. an ad hominem attack on me to be like, the only <laughs> thing you like about this is because someone is naked in it. <laughs> He's naked a lot. There's also a lot of naked women He's in this. such... But yes. Uh, oh, yeah, there is. I didn't even remember that. Like, I, I don't know. It's just... He's so unlikable, the story doesn't make any fucking sense, and in the end, yeah, it, that's not the plot. There's no plot. There's no plot. There's a 
creepy guy on a piano, yeah. which also doesn't <laughs> make any sense. This is the problem with you is that okay, unless okay. someone comes up, this is, this is this is the biggest issue I think that you have, uh-huh. Dave, is that you have like this very narrow definition of what a movie can and should be. And that any time that it okay. is not a thousand percent someone coming on screen and saying, this is what I'm thinking, or this is why I'm doing what I'm doing this for. If there's any subtlety whatsoever, it's like, I'm disengaged. This doesn't make sense. Nothing about this makes sense. I can't make heads or tails out of it. And you completely push it away without ever trying to come to the movie and seeing how it's actually presenting a narrative here for you. Because I think it's actually very explicit about what's going on. I get that it doesn't explain everything. And I get that it gets, this is very much, do you know the term shaggy dog story? Does that make any sense to you? No. This is a very old term that goes like back hundreds of years, but this is very much a shaggy dog story, which is like the very long and short of it is uh, a person going, trying to go in doing something like I'm going to go in. I don't know. I'm trying, I'm trying to make something up off the fly. I- I'm going to go and buy something from McDonald's. I'm going to go and buy a McDonald's meal. And then I get sucked into an adventure around that. And I eventually get back to that main plot point of what I was trying to do in the first place. That is what a shaggy dog story is. And I think this is very much what this movie is. It gets sucked into a bunch of different directions. until he ultimately gets back to what he was trying to do in the very first place. But I don't what, think it's... What was he trying to do in the first place? Him trying to find the girl. That is what this movie sets up. The girl goes missing. He's trying to find her. Eventually finds her that is what the through line to this okay. whole movie is but along the way all right he does get sucked into all these other side digressions throughout it uh-huh <laughs> so i've nah. answered your question but you're now saying that, that that doesn't matter no uh you've you've answered your question yeah i i disagree with all of it <laughs> that's fine my, um, my, my position here is not to try and change your mind i think no, no. I just i'm think trying that, to understand that, where you're I, coming I, from i guess i'm a little bit hair triggered here because I read this all the time of like how uh, this movie isn't about anything or that there's no narrative to this. I just fundamentally disagree with that position. You don't have to like the narrative. Yeah. You don't have to like where it goes. But I think it's actually no, very it's clear what it's trying it. to set out and do for me. It's just interesting because you're in the minority. I know. That. I know. I get it. This is one of those weird just things. so strange. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, you know what I got out of this movie is that it was trying it was trying too hard to be smart Fine. first of all yeah. I, I, and I it can fucking tripped the, all over the, itself yeah I, I see the claims of being pretentious like i get those criticisms yeah indulgent self fucking yeah whatever and it and i think it's it's doing this thing where it's uh you know it's like doing all this codes and ciphers and all this bullshit that's like it's almost like how you do fan service for comic book movies sure. this is like for people who will want for whatever reason to go back to the theater with the notepad and try to make sense of it who gives well, i think a that fuck? i think that is it needs to be watchable first there isn't a yeah. single enjoyable character in the entire pantheon of fucking people that appear in this thing this is the it's thing disgusting this is the thing too dave that i know you're you're also not gonna like in my opinion i think all the cypher stuff is exactly that it is there one yes for people to want to rewatch this this is how it becomes a cult classic i think in time i really do think this is gearing itself up to become a very strong cult classic so people can be oh i figured out the code and what this thing means and everything i think the filmmaker he hasn't come out and said this but i believe the filmmaker knows that's a complete distraction it doesn't mean anything and I, I, at the very end, our main character finds out, yes, he found all these ciphers and codes, but it doesn't make him happier. It doesn't make it anything better. It, it is a complete distraction to him actually being happy in his life. So I think that he's intentionally putting that stuff in there to be like, yeah, none of this really matters at the end of the day. Exactly like this podcast.
the thing is, he's not like if you have an Odyssey or like I was, I was like trying to Google Dante's Inferno mm-hmm. to figure if this was supposed to be allegorical to some classical works, but it's just derivative. Like it's basically some guy who watched too much Hitchcock, Kubrick, mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit uh, was I think the guy he didn't like this year, a lobster guy. Uh, you know, Alanthimos. Yeah. Yes. Um, the stylistic thing, and then a lot of film noir, even like with the soundtrack and oh, some yeah. of the staging. It's so hackenite frankly <laughs> see and again that this For ties me. into the theme and so though, i was this, watching the- it i was trying to fight through it i watched the whole fucking thing it's two and a half hours yeah long. i mean yes i i do also kind of agree that it doesn't need to be as long as it needs that it it's is fucking but- ridiculous yeah but you need so even if you're gonna have this odyssey i was just gonna make this point if yeah. you're gonna make this odyssey you need to have either a likable protagonist who learns to just d- be distracted or an unlikable one that becomes redeemable at the end. Yeah. You cannot have so, a fucking psychopath, neurotic piece of shit, stay disgusting, become more disgusting, and in the end, either uh, is depressed or gets away with it. One of the two. They do not address anything that so, happens in this film. Yes, the the, the, like, the one, the one point it? that I will agree with you on, <laughs> that I'm willing to meet you halfway on, all right. Is what you just said about the main character. I don't think it's integral for him to be likable throughout the movie, but I do think no. that then the ending needs to, yes, either show him going, like a, a, achieving something, becoming a better person. I don't know, something like that, or him actually being killed off or something like that. Destroyed. In my opinion, yes. I think that that would have been a more satisfying ending. I've read a bun- and watched a bunch of YouTube videos deconstructing all the themes and everything else. But specifically the ending, and I never agree with what people write or or show in their videos. And I think that's a problem that it's it's a little bit too nebulous what we're supposed to take from this two and a half hour long journey. When I personally, I know you didn't like any of it. I loved the journey up to it. And then it's just a complete deflation. I'm like, I just wish there was something at the end that summed it up or like felt like it, there was something momentous after we've gone on this on this journey. The the, the I mean, the references are are not subtle if you are a fan of classic film like rear window and vertigo are the big hitchcock things that he's pulling from Mm -hmm. he's sitting in the tub is literally in the shining which makes this the second movie we've watched this year that references the shining which is kind of weird the last marilyn monroe movie that she ever made is uh, literally shot by shot recreated out at the pool so it's like bringing all that stuff in a lot of that again i believe is is intentional for this guy who is so infused with the media that he was watching when he was growing up he liked uh, old movies he like video games he like pop songs and all that stuff is 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 like sprinkled throughout the the rest of the narrative i think it's very intentional the posters that are on his walls i think it's very intentional the posters that are on other characters walls that we see there too the metaphor that I think is going through this movie, which you're going to get mad at, I'll talk about in a, in a bit. Because <laughs> that's where uh, it's my own personal feelings and you are very okay. much will- can can push back on it. But I think because it's mentioned so much, it's not uh, by happenstance. Before we get there, though, Dave, our history <laughs> with Andrew Garfield. What is your history with Andrew Garfield? Uh, maybe Social Networks. Where he, is that his breakout? I'm trying to think. I think I did Spider-Man. see him in something before Social Network, but I can't remember what that would be. Yeah, I'd have to look it up. Mm-hmm. So uh, Social Network, Spider-Man. Uh, oh, I didn't actually watch Hacksaw Ridge, but I wanted to. And I haven't watched Silence because it's not on Netflix I anymore. Know. I know. Uh, Silence but I know... is the one that I'm in the majority of that thinks it's a masterpiece. <laughs> I think that yeah, movie yeah. is so good. I know that if I had sat down for three hours by yeah, myself it, I that is a long movie so totally worth it yeah. though totally worth it and considering like we watched the original and as 
you know, weird as that one was, I could totally see Scorsese making that work. <laughs> but, I do feel uh, weird seen saying that this very Japanese story was told better by an American. That that I do feel weird by. But well, filmmaker. Yeah. I mean, those those are two different yeah. problems. I mean, could uh, although Helen and I have been talking about how Japanese film and TV culture is taking a big nosedive in the last. Like Korea's really kicked their ass, and they do not seem to know what their voices anymore yeah, so it's, boy would i love it someone to make a podcast about that breakdown because i 100 percent agree with you and i don't know yeah. why i mean every country kind of goes through these dips and stuff like sure. that but like yeah korea is definitely having a moment korea is definitely having yeah. a moment right now yeah korea i mean korea's entire national identity is about having like creating crafting these moments mm -hmm. and they spend all of their energy on cultural terrorism essentially <laughs> right but it's just interesting that japan didn't have an answer and I, i'm sure someone smarter knows what's going on in their cultural landscape but you know like when we were growing up in the 80s and 90s it was cool to be japanese yeah and now everybody wants to have the same plastic surgery and become korean anyways um i'm trying to think too like i mean i um yeah social network was definitely i think where he popped gets cast as <laughs> Spider-Man, we've, I think, yeah. had this conversation now multiple times. Yeah. I feel somewhat bad for him because those yeah. movies let him down quite a bit. Yeah. I don't think it's him that's the problem inside of those no. movies necessarily, although he is too good looking to be Peter Parker. It's hard, yeah. And like his body type, like he's very mm -hmm. wiry and kind of like, he doesn't look like someone who's going to get beat up. He's like, he, he's not a nerdy skinny. So it's yeah. kind of, that's it's right. a weird casting. It's just he's really good in the mask and he does good sarcasm. Yeah, 100%. And then the only <laughs> other movie that um, as a, I can only recommend this to other theater fans because I cannot imagine anyone oh, tick, to come. Tick, boom. Yeah, Tick, Tick, Boom. Who, where I think he's phenomenal in, but I can't recommend that to anyone because it's like, unless you understand like all the theater references that they're making in that, like mm. I just can't understand anyone being able to even like figure out yeah. what's going on in some of those scenes because like this is very inside baseball to some stuff that's going on mm. in in the in the broadway world but for me great <laughs> really really worked for me well he was uh almost rewarded for that almost so. yeah i don't think of him as a bad actor yeah i, yeah. I will say that um, um i've had this conversation because he's done some broadway stuff he does uh he sometimes gets to 11 a little bit too quickly. Like he really goes mm -hmm. into histrionics a little bit, sometimes too fast. Um, mm -hmm. But that's a bit of a minor quibble, I think, for someone who I actually do quite like. Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, when he blows up in the tub, that's, a, you know, that was a bit of a hook for me when he finally opened that layer mm -hmm. of crazy. And then, uh, and then he just went into sourpuss mode and I just couldn't, I just couldn't handle it sure. anymore. So how about, I always get the three names in the wrong order. David Rob. David Robert Mitchell, the director of this movie. Nothing. Yeah. He directed one of my favorite <laughs> movies of all time called It Follows. That was what his first movie was that he came out with, which was the horror movie mm -hmm. that basically everyone says is about STDs, which I can't necessarily disagree with, <laughs> but I think it's actually yeah. a little bit more than that, which is the premise of that whole movie is that if you have sex with someone, then this demon starts to follow you around until you have sex with someone else and it starts to follow them. If they kill that person, then they come back to you. So you're always trying to make the chain longer so that the demon never comes back to you. So it's all about sex sexuality. You know what? I am not surprised that this guy made that movie. Anyways. No, that's good. It's good. Yeah. You liked uh, the other uh, sex movies? I, I liked so. It Follows enough. That's the only reason why I saw this movie in the first place, to be honest with right. you, because I was looking at Once I find a director I really like, I like to keep up with them, see what's going mm. on. I saw that they evolve. were doing this Under the Silver Lake, and then the Calgary International Film Festival releases its schedule. I'm like, oh, they're bringing this movie here. I can see this here like months before anyone else gets to. And I 
go. And how did that screening go? <laughs> well, it's actually funny you asked, Dave. Um, <laughs> I can't say about the other people in the movie theater, which to my memory, <sighs> maybe 30 people. I don't remember. There was not oh, very okay. many people in that theater. It wasn't like just me and the two friends, but it was not like well, hugely attended. Um, yeah. But the two other people I went to to see it yes. with hated it so much they <laughs> hated it so so yeah. much <laughs> yeah that's so correct that's the correct response <laughs> well uh all right next question no that's a, that's it so you have no history with oh, this okay, movie okay. you've never heard of it before apparently no no nothing it's an interesting uh, movie in that it fills you with anger and hatred and vitriol but i didn't turn it off here's the thing so here's the thing yeah. if you were given the choice would you pick movies yeah. like Venom, uh, Million Dollar Duck, like those types of movies, uh -huh. or would you pick something like this? Like if you had to be sat uh, down, like what, you have to what, have a bad time, one? what would you pick? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. See, for me, even retire. if I, th this movie fits into the, <laughs> there's two other movies that this movie somewhat reminds me of, of again, okay. Swinging for the Fences, but didn't work for me which is the very recent Bo is afraid which i really didn't like and babylon which i really didn't like but when i wrote about them i was like listen i totally respect you trying something new and i'll always give kudos but i really did not like this experience <laughs> mm -hmm. of sitting through this i would much rather have those experiences in a theater like at least you're attempting something than something that i feel is like low effort pablum stuff that just makes me angry like why did you waste everyone's time making this i f i do feel like that was the first thought i had finishing this film mm. uh if you want to call it that but it's, you know it's a hard question because venom is just dumb like it's just so many layers of fucking incompetence stupidity and money formed into this gigantic mucus filled piece of shit and it's popular mm -hmm. so it's gross million dollar duck as we heard on youtube may not have even been meant to be a film so i don't <laughs> right, really right, understand right. what's going on with that uh even as a tv show it's garbage uh but uh, it's like an it's its own anomaly maybe we could uh, compare this to sweet sweet back or uh, mm. um i don't know something like super fucking artsy and weird but i just i don't know man like i i i never want to watch this again i don't sure. give a fuck about coding and i just i felt it was too pretentious and close-minded for me i just could not give a shit about anything that's happening and i'll give i'll give uh i'll give this film this credit if you will because because it steals so much from classic movies there are like 10 hooks where you'll like have to keep watching for the next scene because invariably you're watching vertigo or you're mm -hmm. watching eyes wide shut or you're watching something sure and you're like oh i kind of understand that this is going to get really fucked up and then it happens you're like no it made it worse like I'm just more upset now because it didn't fucking go anywhere and it didn't have the overarching whatever narrative or direction or philosophy. It doesn't even have a visual tone. Like it's all <sighs> over the fucking map. Maybe, but right? I love the way this film looks too. I think it's photographed beautifully. I read that on Letterboxd and I just, I don't know. So he bought a good camera. Who gives a fuck? Like I, I don't, didn't feel it. I didn't feel I, that I, the cinematography I I mean, the, do, was so I mean, cool. To, to ruin this. Did you yeah. see how much this movie was made for? No. This was made for $8 million, which makes me okay. so mad at like uh -huh. Ant-Man and the Wasp, which was made for $200 million. It looks like shit. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it yeah. does. But, but we've had this discussion too about large studio budgets where it's all tax scheme. There's no yeah. way you can actually spend $200 million to make a film. Mm -hmm. It's just not possible. CGI bullshit, all of it. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just yeah. not. There's a lot of 
uh, creative number crunching and all of that. And, you know, we're using the excuse like, oh, the stars have big salaries. I'm like, I'm pretty sure the salaries are actually not including those budgets too, but we don't know. We're not, we don't know. we're not I'm aware. just saying that there's been some very high budget films, like even like Bohemian Rhapsody or something like that, I think it looks worse yeah. than what this so $8 million budgeted film. Yeah. I will, you know, as someone, you know, in the photography world, camera technology, I mean, I don't know what they used to shoot yeah, this. Yeah, I didn't and put I don't that know. up, so I don't know. But I I would say that there's $8 million and there's $8 million. And, it, you know, like, I don't know, what was the budget for everything, everywhere, all at once? It was uh, also not that high. 20, I want to say it was, less, yeah, around the 20 mark. Yeah. And we have a movie there where you're just shoved in the face with CGI mm-hmm. uh, post-production after, like, all kinds of weird shit going on. And still under, I think, I mean, we might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's under 20 million bucks. So, like, I don't know. I, I am happy that you can make a two and a half hour film for under 10 million dollars still mm-hmm. right that means there's hope with a for big star need. too like that's what's pretty surprising andrew about. garfield for me is not someone who would require a lot of money no. to make this movie he's the type of guy i would imagine who would look at this fucking insane script if, if there was even one and said fuck it let's go for it because i'm tired of being spider-man yeah he, i can see him totally harry pottering this and just being like daniel radcliffe this would be like I can make something weird now. Cause I, I will say that he, he does like to go for some interesting indie projects. I mean, another movie I really hate, I've brought this up so many times for a movie <laughs> that I hate is this thing called um, mainstream where he plays like basically like a TikTok star. Oh gosh. I hated it so, so much. And it came out, <laughs> out around the same time, either like a year before or a year after. It's just like uh-huh. a, another indie production where he's like the most famous person in it. Uh, made by one of the Coppola's, like Coppola grandchildren. Mm. Um, and it's Bobby? like- Bobby Capla? No, Gia, Gia Coppola. It's a, oh, actually, don't know the name. And it's like, I- You know, okay, you know what I was going to say? You know what this movie is, Kyle? What? This movie is written for Nick Cage. If Nick Cage was in was this like movie, 20 years younger, it but actually yeah. would have been better. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I don't like Nick Cage, but this is a Nick Cage movie. You put a guy in here that can do like like zero to 11 every scene, Mm -hmm. uh, who's just twisted and fucking weird, like eight millimeter shit, uh, and you plop him in the middle of this garbage, it might have actually worked on a this is too insane to understand type of (laughs) moment. I don't know. I just, it felt, I just, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it at all. I didn't find any redeeming (laughs) I mean, I can't, I can't help you there. Can I just say <laughs> one thing that I found very funny about this movie is every time okay. Andrew Garfield had to try to hide, he does it in the worst possible way. Like he's trying to hide behind like a ball in the pool and he's trying to hide behind like the thinnest of branches on, on a, on a, on a tree. And it's like this recurring theme where he cannot actually hide himself and he does it in like the most awkward and possible ways. I was really hanging on, I think at the end to this idea that all of this, if not a hallucination, was in the mind of well, a crazy person. But then by the end, you're like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, the ending I mean, doesn't I don't think work. the movie actually does communicate that. However, this would require me to watch this again. So who knows when that's going to happen. I, I think, I can't say all, <laughs> but definitely a hefty majority of all like the really out there things happened when he, right after he passes out, gets knocked out, or... Uh, passes out because of drugs or alcohol and i'm wondering if that is subtly what they're trying to communicate is all the real fantastical things know. aren't actually happening to him and that's well, all they, in his mind they do the whole thing with everybody barking like a dog and they just drop that bit an hour into the movie sort of that's i actually want to talk about dogs specifically i'd rather listen to dogs than the two of you but let's listen to the last half 
of the trailer, and then we'll get back into our conversation about oh, the trailer? Uh, under the okay. Silver Lake. You can tell I haven't been listening to these after you spent. Dave doesn't listen to the podcast, so he has no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> Like secret message in her apartment. It means stay quiet. Our world is filled with codes, subliminal messages, from Silver Lake to the Hollywood Hills. Could any of this be connected to Sarah? I know this girl. There's a message in the music. Really think you're gonna find a hidden message in a pop song? One, two, three. Can't quite see it, but I'm close. Honey, how are you? Mom, I'm fine. Mostly fine. Um. Why do we assume that all of this information is what we're told it is? Maybe there are people out there who are more important than us, more powerful, communicating things in the world that are meant for only them and not for us. Yeah. Dave, do you want to come up with a with an attempt of what this movie is about? Not really. I mean, fuck. It's not about anything. Okay, there's a guy. He's... Uh, a struggling, you know, you don't even know he's an actor until he eludes it when he meets this girl from a billboard. Like, that whole thing was oh, so convoluted. There's a guy, a struggling guy, who meets a weird girl in his rental apartment complex, and the next day she suddenly disappears and he embarks on a quest to find her. Right. Yeah, that's a lot of question marks at the end of that. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think I think you're trying to make this be more than what it is in a weird way. I think that, but it's yeah. not. But it's not what it's not what happens. Yeah, but that, I didn't right? say what happens. I said what's the movie about? <laughs> that's two different things. Yeah, but it's oh, fuck. It's like saying what is The Shining about, and you then going. I was like, well, we have to talk about all the ghosts and stuff in the in the hotel. Like, not really. Oh, the Shining is about psychosis. Yeah. It's about a guy who's lost his mind mm -hmm. for his craft. And isn't that what this movie is about? No, it's not. No, it's not at all. It's not, it's not at all. I'm just it's joking. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about the secret codes to an extent, but I actually find that like the least interesting part of this movie, personally. I know some okay. people, that's what they find the most fascinating part about this oh, movie. Oh, really? Is. Yeah. Yeah, I think people would. Yeah. It doesn't even play that well, honestly. <sighs> well, on this rewatch, it is fascinating how quickly they seed that into the narrative. Like, it is actually there right from the first shot. So, again, multiple I think I saw them, like, they hired some smart guy to do it, too. Yes, but. they did. Yeah. Here is, I think, one of the more... I'm going to say a subtle theme that is running through this. Again, um, this is my own personal opinion, and I would never have said this on my first watch. This is something that really stood out here on this second watch that I gave it, which is there is consistent references to dogs and coyotes throughout this entire yes. movie so either people uh, reference it entire but yes. they talk about it people either have yes. a dog they have either yes. um, a coyote in the background or yes. it's running down the street anyways there's these constant allusions to these to these yes. animals and i think what the message again i think it's muddled I, i'm i'm totally no, saying no, yeah. that it's muddled Give it to me yeah is teach me show me the error of my ways well, I'm, this isn't going to make you like it or anything like that. I'm just saying uh, it was a theme that started to come up and why he acts um, so aggressive at the beginning of the film. You know, coyotes are, are aggressive loners on the fringes of society, right? The trash that people are leaving behind, uh, the attack at opportunities, that sort of thing. They're on the fringes, on the outsides of human civilization, whereas dogs brought into the home, they're looked at as part of the family, they're loved, et cetera, et cetera. 
I think this movie is literally giving that as the, as the choice is like, is this person either more dog like or more coyote like? And really the, the, the journey that I think we're supposed to understand again, I don't think it does a great job of this at the very end is that he feels also on the outside of society. He's on the fringes. These, uh, you know, he doesn't feel a, a part of anything and he slowly becomes and wants to be <laughs> like a dog. Welcome to the home. Be, be more loved, I guess, for, for lack of a better word. The biggest thing that points to that is one, the musician guy who's re- written every pop song for the last, you know, 70 years has a stuffed coyote in his, in his office space. And then, uh, Andrew Garfield's character breaks down. It's like, why do you have these dog treats in your, in your pocket? And it's like, cause I just want to feel. Like I was part of something again. I want to feel like I did when I was a kid. Um, so I think that that is the theme that he's trying, the filmmakers trying to thread throughout this entire, entire film. Um, and that really only stood out to me the second watch, to be honest with you. It's like, okay, like, they're saying this a lot. That's what, that's what I have for you. I watched a video <laughs> that went even further than that. And I was like, I don't know if I agree with some of the stuff that you're saying. Oh, but I do agree with this, this message well, that they're trying I- to communicate. Uh, there's definitely a dog theme. I mean, the opening shot mm-hmm. is beware the dog killer. So that is, that's a thing yeah. uh, for sure. There's definitely a focus on a coyotes. I don't think it's successful if it meant to, uh, on, uh, uh contrasting them with dogs, frankly, because sure. coyotes to me have their own mythology of being intelligent and being tricksters and being, well, I was going to bring that up too, but I uh, didn't want to get too into like native American mythology, but yeah. So there's uh i think it starts to come apart there and then i don't know i just i find like coyotes will hunt a dog or or cat or animals they're scavengers i think i don't i can't remember but all dog species can eat plants too Mm -hmm. so you know just this idea of like focusing it wasn't about dogs but about some mysterious thing killing dogs is very weird place to start unless that's going to be uh pressed into the main character a little bit more you're also not gonna like my answer i think that the whole dog killer thing is also a complete misdirection i don't think yeah i honestly think it's supposed to be the coyotes that are killing the dogs that that there is no mythical killer that's coming in and killing dogs in my opinion that's just my reading of it yeah but if the question if that's true then why are the coyotes always eating garbage and not just sitting watching them like there are different ways to play with this theme Mm -hmm. uh which it's not i mean if anything it's kind of supposed to be a red herring and it doesn't work because it doesn't involve itself in a misdirection it's just kind of like pervading the background it's he's never even hunting the dog killer and learning there isn't one it's just everybody talks about it behind his back right. and you're like, I don't, I don't understand why. Like they even try the horror movie thing where he finds the dog near the beginning and he's following the treats mm-hmm. and then he has the hallucination of the girl as a witch eating intestines. I don't fuck. Anyways, um, it's bullshit. So <laughs> let's move on. So there's yeah. that. There is also yeah. this element of nostalgia that runs throughout this entire sure. movie, which is again. Honestly, it's the only reason if you're a classic Hollywood film anything you can't help but not like wait for something to happen mm-hmm. because it it steals great scenes from so many good movies <laughs> it references it uh, or shows it to you on like the television it doesn't hide it i know um, but it but doesn't I, make it good the yeah. the topher grace character of all people <laughs> i didn't realize it's him until i think his third scene i was like i know this voice i was gonna say his voice always gives it away for me it's like <laughs> topher grace what are you doing well, it's here? the beard i was like he's too fat he's right. too fat to be topher but just had a big 
big beard on. I, I think one of the other themes that, that's that's going on uh, that is trying to critique is that that isolated male. I mean, definitely like incels or that that idea was definitely prevalent in 2018. So Topher Topher's character specifically says, you know, I think we crave mystery because there's none left. And I think that that does go into people really latching on to conspiracy theories. I mean, conspiracy theories have existed for many, many years, no, but definitely that has become human even yeah. more prevalent, I would say, in the last uh I don't know, since the internet kind of um exacerbated things. Actually, I read this essay I referenced it, I think, on my social media. It's fantastic. Actually, I should have sent it to you. Actually, you have Apple News. So I don't mm-hmm. know why I didn't. Um, so maybe I'll send it. But it, talking about how there's a lack of moral education, which is leading to this sort of like uh, individualism and liberalism to the point where we're going into hate politics. Yeah. But one of the things that he references, I think it's an old man author, is that this happened post-World War II. And it came out of the existentialism movement sure. because mo- for the most part, we saw that human the beings worst are disgusting. ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I fucking like wantonly murder and rape each other at the first, uh, you know, drop of a pin once we're allowed. And so we're getting to this point. So like, I mean, I just thought if Topher Grace's character is going to bring this up, is this director telling people who like this movie to go fuck themselves? Yes. I think he, he is. is. Yeah. <laughs> a yeah. little bit. Yeah. So, so, uh, so there's an, it's like a uh, fight club people yeah. who love it because they think they're supposed to start fight clubs and not realizing it's about how dumb fight clubs are. Anyways. Uh, I mean, that's kind of my point a little bit, which is like, I think the people who are so focused on like, oh, let's solve all the clues and everything is him. Like, it doesn't matter. Like all I put, yes, yeah. I put this stuff in here, but all this stuff doesn't matter. Just, I don't know. You got, I, that's, and that's the thing. Like when it's finished, I'm like, why, why spend all this energy? I mean, only 8 million bucks. <laughs> but why spend all this energy uh, to just be a D-bag about it? You know? I don't know. And I guess, like, I'm dumb, but I'm okay with being dumb. Anyways, well, uh, so Topher Grace's character is going on about how, yeah, we need the sensationalism. We don't feel anything. We need to have... And I was thinking, like, yeah, this is why people listen to murder podcasts. <laughs> this is why <laughs> yeah. this is why people, right? If people buy into all this other shit, they, they need to do this uh, Trumpism hate policy. It's not Trump. It's just people need to tie themselves no, I, to but- a faith. Right? And it's becoming a sickness. It is, but like this what it really made me mindful of, like all the QAnon stuff that has popped up over the last few years, is all this stuff is like, oh, he said these three words next to each other, and yeah. this is a reference to this Bible passage, which then tells you to go and do this, and it's in this scripture over here that tells you from this TV program, and now I'm going and bombing a pizza place because Trump said three words Jesus together. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. what the fuck are you talking about? Like that's what this whole movie is kind of like stretching out, is like all of this is wild and the kind of meta joke that's going on is like all this crazy stuff he's going on actually turns out to be true i don't know i you know i i think i it was weird but not weird enough like you know at the end if his if as he's descending into this world and it goes david fincher and that room becomes something out of seven Mm. and it's just fucking scrawled shit and that's one way to kind of exact like really extenuate the point but he's like looking across the hallway from this uh, gilf bird lady. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever that is. And and like his room's got uh, the diamond pattern drawn on a wall. It's like, fuck off. Like, it's just not enough. Like, I don't really understand. Anyways, um, I, I don't know, Kyle. I just, I'm trying. I, I'm honestly trying to listen to you. <laughs> I am. And I'm doing my best to no, not I, cut I, you off. What I started this off is true. Like, I don't 
expect most people who watch this to like it. Like I, I intellectually understand why people would not like this movie. Where mm-hmm. I, I, where I'm trying to understand it is why people feel so offended by this movie. I think is oh. what the question is. And I just okay. that is what I'm trying to figure out, and I just can't. Because figure- I, I don't get, I don't get two and a half hours back. I went to bed. I finished the movie at 12 because sure. I started early and I couldn't go to sleep till one. Okay. All right. Because I was very upset. And I, yeah, it's only 8 million bucks, whatever. It's such a waste of resource for us to make something that it's like starts off as a downer and tells you to go fuck yourself. And then in the end, it's like, yeah, fuck you anyways. Yeah, Get on I with mean, your with your day. It's like, what? The thing about it's it though, not, is like, what is it? I can only tell you what my experience was the first time watching it, which I was like a little bit dubious. Like, what? how do I feel about this movie? And it was a movie I kept thinking about for like two weeks after I watched it. I'm like, what do I feel about this movie? Like, I, I can't, <laughs> couldn't get out of my mind. So this was a nice kind of, for me, to just do the rewatch. Like, do I actually like this movie? Turns out I do. Mm. I still just enjoy watching it. I can't, I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. With some caveats, I have some actually very deep caveats of this movie that I actually think could be tightened and be better. But the reaction to it, I'm not saying it's as good as these movies. But if you read the reactions by audiences and critics to The Thing, which we covered in our last season, it is very similar. It's like, how dare this filmmaker make this movie? How... <laughs> what devil did they possess in themselves to make something so vile that they release it onto the American public? I'm like, I don't get it. Like, I just don't understand that reaction uh, mm-hmm. whatsoever. It's very similar to The Shining too, which is like, it was more respected when it first came out, but like was also dismissed kind of out of hand and then took 10 years for people to be like, actually, it's kind of a great horror film. So I don't, mm. not that this is a horror film, but it's it's weird that it is getting this kind it's of visceral reaction from people. Oh, I don't know. It just... Uh... You know, uh, number one, I think anybody who accidentally walked into this thinking they were going to be entertained sure. or that they were going to see Spider-Man yeah. was just, they're, you're going to be fucked. Yes, yeah, uh, It's the polar opposite. So that's going to be, you know, 75% of the anger. I also like the Spider-Man joke in this movie, but. Yeah. Well, so that's 75% of the reviews where people are like literally throwing their feces at the screen. So that's yeah. people who are expecting a comedy. And then as we trend from extreme hatred into middling anger, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's people who are questioning, a, like if this had been a weird 90 minute film, kind of like an art film, and it was just throwing shit at you and saying, oh, look how fucking stupid you are and look how weird the world is and Look how disgusting Andrew Garfield is. I think it would have softened, actually, some of the blow. But when you sit your ass for two and a half hours and are just subjected over and over and over and ground down by the same fucking tone of the sulky, whiny, piece of shit, OCD, fucking, what the fuck's going on with this dude? And he's, he's just disgusting, but not in a compelling, interesting way. It's just, he's just dirty. You know, then no matter what pseudo philosophical political point a director's trying to make you're just worn down that's what i was feeling when Mm. this is finished i just felt like someone just rubbed my face on a cheese grater for two and a half hours right i will say this i mean keep the main character as like the loser you know unsuccessful person but it is weird that because of the references that are there in this movie that he isn't just being like a humphrey bogart character yeah you know what i mean like it's like yeah still a little bit like um on the outside edge or something, but a little bit more, I don't know, cool <laughs> capable stuff. or something. Stoic, I don't know what else. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but he's, yeah, he's inept. It's just, it's difficult. Uh, because generally speaking, and, and yeah, you can maybe criticize me of being too formulaic, but a protagonist, if you're going to use one, ought to be who the audience is following along, whether we agree with their decisions or not. If we're following around a bumbling idiot and it's not comedic, then we're being insulted because we we're, have to be drug along this narrative where this inept fool keeps destroying himself and everyone around him. And I think it would have been fine then too if he wasn't also capable of such extreme violence. He fucking murders a lot of things. He beats up children. He does beat up children, right? yes. And it's like very it's not it doesn't hide from the violence it's not implied so it just fills you with such disgust well, throughout the entire yeah. two and a half round time and that's very difficult to sit with yeah i mean i can i can somewhat agree with that i mean i, I came across this quote here this week i don't remember who said it but anyways they, they said um i don't mind watching films that have terrible people as the protagonist, but you have to give me the reason why they're terrible yeah and i will agree that i don't know if this movie does a good enough job showing you why he is the way that he is we understand no. like where he came from what he's facing currently but why like there is not like that connection between the two like what got you to be here and so violent we don't even know where he comes from not really no. we get a little bit of it i think yeah you need like a in the rewrite version which we haven't done in a while but for example the voice what move there's a movie where oh shit it might even be a star wars movie anyways someone's no it was an avengers movie the one with uh uh, Daniel Brule. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Anyways, he's he's listening to the voicemail, and you think that he's talking to his wife, right? But it's actually a recording of her before she died. Yes, right, right, right. You know, so he keeps hearing these uh, calls from his mom. That's an opportunity, mm -hmm. right, to just show something unhinged. He meets the ex girlfriend. There's also an opportunity, but they don't take it. They just throw it and disappears. And you're like, well, we're right back to being a piece of shit. And you're like, I I don't understand why we're doing this. There, I just, I'm not I'm not using this as a justification. <laughs> I just want to be very clear. Yeah. Because even I will say that this might be way too subtle. Okay, okay. But there's another video I watched. I only watched one video. One video that did this deconstruction of this movie. It's like 25 minutes long. Jesus Christ. Every shirt he wears is actually a comment and, and shows some backstory. He's wearing a camp shirt from a very specific place, like a, a real place that exists, like, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Like every shirt that he wears throughout this movie, he wears like four or five different ones, actually gives you some backstory. <sighs> so that might be a bit too subtle, I think, maybe, for <laughs> for or people to fully pick up on. Presumed. So, uh, so, yeah, if we want to talk about the vitriol, essentially, I think if we really boil it down is the audience is subjected to becoming andrew garfield agreeing with choices he makes because we don't have context of why they're good or bad mm -hmm. and in the end watching him smirk and thinking how the fuck did i just live this experience because i disagree with every decision not just the character makes but even artistically, because none of the characters make any sense. So, so okay, this, is, this is where I No, I just mean like in a rational sense. If you want to do fantastical, yeah. fine. You know, we're writing a weird story, fine. But you and I are spending way too much energy because we know you need some kind of grounding context. True. Otherwise, I, I it's not going to work. I always push back a little bit at this because it's like, I don't think this movie even starts in a realistic way. So to expect there to be like ultra realism throughout this movie seems Wait, I, weird. Uh, well, the first, I mean, it drags a bit, but the first 15 minutes is just a guy who can't pay his rent. Uh, you see like a, a, you see a squirrel come back to life and you also see. Oh, is that the beginning? Yeah, some yeah. other weird things, so. Uh, and they do the, some of those old, uh, I mean, Kubrick, Scorsese, whatever, like the. Uh, Forced zoom perspective. Poles and all, stuff, yeah, yeah, all this kind of stuff, which they drop. I mean, stylistically, he just, 
this guy's pulling playbook stuff from all the greatest directors, but it's not consistent in the theme. So like right. for me, it's like, I can understand how somebody sees something like that. I'm like, oh, cool. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's like gone. Like everything everywhere all at once does that similarly. But you know, when they go back to the one car wide moment, it's still a one car wide shot. <laughs> at least there's a consistent tone within the different dimensionalities. This one is like, it's just throwing shit at a screen. But you know, uh, maybe I felt like this guy was having taking a piss and laughing at me the whole time too. I, I don't know. I think that's where the anger comes from. See, that's what, I think that's maybe the biggest disconnect is I don't feel like he's laughing at the audience. I think he's laughing at the character going through these trials. I don't know. That's what it feels there's like n- to me. But then then he's worse because there's no <laughs> empathy. It's just cruel. There, There's no human emotion underneath this. It's why well, Yeah, very... I think there's also a bunch of metaphor that he's trying to play with. Again, doesn't always play but i think that's what he's trying to do anyways uh, so uh at the end of the day that's why i think i hate it and not just i didn't understand what this movie's about mm-hmm. i think like as a narrative i don't need a story like a fable although a lot of classic fables are just as fucking weird as this thing sure i just need to go on a journey that i give a shit about even with an antagonist or uh, an anti-hero whatever the fuck you want to call it and instead i'm just reviled throughout and they keep making it worse. And by the end, because there's no comeuppance, I have to sit with the fact that I've been made to suggest, I've been suggested to agree with everything that's happened on the screen. And I, I don't. I hate this guy. I hate all of it. Mm-hmm. I hate the journey. I hate the idea of it. I hate all of it. Uh, and I'm not giving an out to even have a discussion about it because two and a half hours later, you're kicked out of the movie theater. <laughs> sure, sure. For you, with your two angry friends going... Like, we didn't watch the same movie, apparently. Right. Yeah, all yeah. I can say is that I just I just don't get that level of hate from the main character. Yes, he does the horrible things. I'm not wanting to just brush that away. I guess, I don't know. I didn't, I from the very beginning, this felt like a fable to me. So I wasn't watching a real person. I was watching a metaphor of a person being taken through this story, using nostalgia so as a hard. shroud to present a narrative like that's that's what i was watching i was trying i was trying to hold on to that kyle yeah. it's why i got through without turning it off i was just kept because it's so weird i was like maybe this is supposed to be some allegorical thing and he's going through and they, one of the clubs called purgatory that's yeah. why i googled dante's inferno i'm like maybe this is going to follow this track it does not no and then i'm like oh it's just so it's too much it's overwhelming um okay so let's do this let's talk about the two the two aspects that I don't like. Then I'll talk about the two aspects of this podcast I don't like. I'll give you a hint. They rhyme with style and shave. The one is very short. I've kind of already stated it, but just to make it very plain, I do think that the biggest drawback for me as a viewer is that I think that there is this amalgam of like four or five different things that David Robert Mitchell, yes, <laughs> David Robert Mitchell, I, just, I always get the three names in the wrong order, is interested in. And I wish that he may have picked one, possibly two, instead of having all of them. Because I think, you know, taking a takedown of, of toxic nostalgia, that's a cool way to like frame a story. You know, the, the, the dog coyote metaphor, that's an interesting thing to maybe like play around with. Um, I also think that's why homelessness is such a big thing within this narrative, because they're also on the fringes of society. He's trying to make these like... Um, are they comparisons? Like, isn't just the one scene well he's about to be homeless he's accosted by a homeless person the dog killer is said to be homeless like they keep mentioning homelessness i found there's the homeless king that shows up that's what he calls himself so like mm-hmm. it's sprinkled throughout oh, there. that's right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um okay. anyways again there's a lot of stuff that he's dealing with here there's another thing i was going to bring up anyways i think there's too much stuff almost that he's trying to focus on here that it just mm-hmm. 
it never has that fulfilling like through line. I still just enjoy the journey we go on. I, I can't, I just keep coming back to the same point. I just enjoy the journey. Second thing, I think the very ending, once he learns that this is a millionaire murder cult, that they just go into the underground and then kill themselves after six months. Suicide cult. Suicide, Suicide cult. cult. They don't, yeah. you know, comes out of the underground there. I think it's a travesty, the final 10 minutes. <laughs> I think it's just yeah. way too like subdued. I'm like, I don't, what, what's happening? I have also watched the videos. I have read the the analysis. I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't, oh, I don't think like, so. What, what what is the what is the internet nerdum trying to justify that? The as? video that I watched. Uh -huh. Okay. <laughs> this is their point of view. Don't yell at me, Dave. All right. All what right. Their thing is like <laughs> what it's supposed to represent is that he's going over to that older woman because she represents his ability to be the domesticated dog and not have to worry about anything ever in his life. Oh, for fuck's I'm like, sake. I don't think so. I'm sorry. I was like, I, I can take it so far, but I don't think that that metaphor oh, holds water God. for me. That's what that yeah, ending yeah, is supposed yeah. to represent. You know, as they crescendo to the suicide cult mm -hmm. and he's sitting there and they do that shot where he's kind of like facing out and you realize that they're not going to go underground yeah. and you know, they're drinking the tea. I was expecting him to turn around and just kill everybody and himself maybe. And I thought, all right, well, uh, fuck it. I'm getting ready for the violence. And then, uh, yeah, what happens? He's like resuscitated by the homeless king. And they're like, you know, you're fine. Why do you have these dog treats? Oh, I, I want to be welcomed. All right, you're good. Maybe we'll kill you later. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I just, I just wanted it to be something more that? momentous there at the end. I mean, Stupid. I actually think that for me, what is emotionally satisfying, he finally finds the girl. She's already in the underground. They're having that video conversation back and forth. He's like, this is pretty fucked up what you're doing, right? Basically is what he says. And he's like, yeah, I guess yeah. so. And it's like, well, there's no getting out now, so I might as well just make the best of it. And he's like, yeah, I guess same here. As like low-key and, and as, as, as pat as that, that might be, I think yeah. that that is what we're supposed to as an audience feel at this point, which mm -hmm. is like, listen, we've all made our choices. We can't go back to the past to change things. You've obsessed this entire movie that you're going to go and save this girl, but she's made her choice already. So the only thing you can do is move on and like be happy with the choices you've made. Like you can't change it, right? Well, imagine rewrite that scene happens. We see them drink the tea. He collapses. We fade to black. Yeah. Now you have a poignant political point. I agree actually I think that is where the movie should end personally and and then I don't think people have the same vitriol because whether Maybe. they like it or not at least you're like all right he just said we either accept or we don't I mean I don't know if I agree with it but at least that's what this movie could be about but then it drags on to some other fucking bullshit yeah uh and uh I don't know I didn't like that ending at the time and I don't like it now even more so <laughs> so uh, the ending really <laughs> bugs me actually quite quite it's a bit upsetting. Okay, let's do some backstory here then and wrap this up because we've already gone too long. So uh, yeah. this movie opens up on May 18th, 2018 at Cannes. I saw this in September of 2018. However, it did not get a wide release in North America until April of 2019. Currently, it is rated 3.5 on Letterboxd, has a 6.5 on IMDb, a 60 on Metacritic, and on Rotten Tomatoes, 59% from 157 critics and 58% from 5,000 plus users. So that is a rotten score. Anything under 60% <laughs> is considered rotten. It is available on DVD and Blu-ray, available for rent on both YouTube and iTunes, and you can stream it on Tubi. Did you watch it on Tubi? No, I stole your box. Yeah, me too. So I yeah. don't know what the quality is on Tubi. 
Uh, no. Its budget was $8 million. This made, let's do a drum roll, $2 million. It completely bombed. <laughs> it did Good. not, not do very well. <laughs> So the $8 million means nothing. It means nothing. <laughs> I know. That's a low, low figure. They could not even cross that bar. To be fair, when it did get released, it was like not even advertised that it was coming out. So There's no way to advertise it. The, what, true enough. What, I agree. <laughs> How would you market this thing? Uh, it's a laugh riot. <laughs> Come on down to the multiplex. Okay. Check out Peter Parker and his latest adventure. <laughs> All right, um, his plot description is, Sam, a disenchanted young man, finds a mysterious woman swimming in his apartment's pool one night. The next morning, she disappears. Sam sets off across LA to find her, and along the way, he uncovers a conspiracy far more bizarre. It doesn't even happen at night. Oh, you're right. Yeah, the she isn't swimming at night when he's... Yeah, like, no. Anyways, that's, that is completely wrong, this plot description. Okay, that's yeah. um, it's tagline. Sorry. Let's play Guess, guess that, that, that Tag. tag, tag, tag. <laughs> This is, of course, the time of the show where I don a handsome blazer, pick up uh, the long microphone that Bob Barker used to use, and we play the game Guess That Tag. Dave, you have three options. One of these is true. Two of them I completely made up. So what's the tagline to this movie? What are they hiding? Is it read between the lines? Or is it beware the dog killer? <laughs> Jesus Christ. They should have made it uh, just rub its head. <laughs> right. Um, uh, I, don't, I wasn't even painted. Let's go with one. What was one what are they hiding? Right between the lines? What are they hiding? What are they hiding? You would be correct. That is the correct oh, tagline nice. to this It's been movie. a while. It's been a while. And doesn't that make you want to go and see this movie? No, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> so this, uh, this movie stars Andrew Garfield as Sam, Riley Keough as Sarah, Topher Grace as Barbuddy, Callie Hernandez as Millicent Sevens, and Wendy Vanden Heuvel as the topless bird woman. Oh, yeah. The bird. Fuck. That's who he has sex with at the very end, so... Wait, wait, but that's not the owl woman. No, different. Why Why does this movie exist? All right. <laughs> Watch a 25-minute video. You'll be a change man, Dave. <laughs> no, you don't have to. I won't, yeah. Cinematography by Mike Giolakis. His top four are Lake Los Angeles from 2014. I have never heard of this movie. Don't know what that Loves is. Loves lakes. Uh, please be another lake it movie. It follows from 2014. Us yeah. from 2019. And old oh. from 2021. That's old. Is that the Shyamalan? It is, Sh yeah. Shyamalan. Which is um, half of a great movie, in my opinion. <laughs> I could say that about all his films other than yeah. Sixth Sense. You, won't, you actually won't believe this, Dave. This new, the, the, that uh, M. Night Shyamalan movie. In that it has this really great setup. It like builds up really fantastically. And then mm -hmm. completely mm -hmm. drops the ball at the end. <laughs> I know that's shocking to you, but... <laughs> Uh, written and directed by Ro by David Robert Mitchell. Listen, there's nothing written about this movie, partly because David Robert Mitchell has refused to give any definitive answers to anything, and partly because this movie made no money. Uh, there's an entire subreddit about this movie, apparently, which I went to uh, this week, oh which currently God. has 7,400 members. <laughs> as a comparison, I just want to say, as a comparison, the cult <sighs> cinema subreddit has 22,000. So, it's about a third which is not bad. The only big thing is that originally it was supposed to be Dakota Johnson who was the main female he was going after, uh, but she had to drop out right before this film began filming. Uh, the prominent code that is sprinkled throughout the film is something called Copiel, the, oh, sorry, the Copiel Cipher. The man who cracked that real-life code, Kevin Knight, was brought in 
to be an advisor and make sure that all the codes were actually correct. So what he was able to do, there was these sets of books that people had found back in the early, or sorry, back in the mid 1700s, and no one was able to crack them. They were written in the secret code, and for 250 or something years, nobody was able to figure out what these were. He, this Kevin Knight guy, wrote this computer program, which the long and short of it is that everyone was trying to use English to break the code, and it was actually written in German. So what he did is, is he used every language put into a computer program, he was able to crack this code because it wasn't using just English to try and crack this code. Um, what these texts ended up being was the Freemasons. <laughs> it was actually this occult text that was all about initiation practices on how to bring in a new member into the whatever group. Yeah. What do you call them? Rub I James' no head and sit under Newton. Yeah. Genius. After its can debut, it was meant to have a summer release, which got pushed back to December, and then it got pushed back to April, where it was released to die before the summer movie season. <laughs> so that's basically all I have as far as like backstory goes. Can you imagine like the marketing team or production team in charge of this film? Yes, I, like, I, don't I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what about November? I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, push it. Let's just push it. <laughs> now, um... Before we just wrap up here, I think we should have just a very brief conversation about the codes in this movie. I know you have nothing to say, but like, <laughs> any comment or commentary on the codes that show up throughout no, this? I don't know. It's pretentious. I feel like, again, if you're going to do that, make it the whole movie. You want like a uh, Zodiac Killer? I don't know. Like, do something with it that's central. You know, the part that made me the most upset after introducing that is when he finally finds the final layer. It's like three perfectly painted lines on a piece of concrete, mm, you know, the danger sure, symbol. Yeah, yeah. And it's like so manicured and it's so obvious. You know, it's like a construction level decal. They just honestly, it just felt like someone's telling me to go fuck myself. Well, I also started getting very personal at some point. I will say yeah. this. So this uses this like Copiel cipher thing. Yeah. And it, that's like the graffiti that you see everywhere is actually written on the uh coffee shop sign had the like the very first scene of the film it's underneath the three barbie dolls when they're watching tv together in bed like it actually shows up all throughout the entire thing the hobo code that they talk about is an actual thing i listened to this podcast yeah. episode like years ago before this movie even came out and that is an actual real thing that you can actually yeah. still see in some cities where you'll actually see we markings on buildings this. what movie were we watching i can't remember we've already talked about this i think yeah. we have yeah yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. There's codes. So they're using real like codes with like yeah. some semi fake codes throughout yeah, this yeah. movie to like create this new thing. They use Good. Morse code quite a few times throughout mm. this. The fireworks like actually audio? are in Morse code. They actually spell out okay. a message, which is why she's freaking out. And there's other taps and stuff like that that happen throughout the movie that are actually in Morse code. So again, okay. there is an infusion of code, I think, that runs the entire length of this. Whether that works for you, whatever. It does not. I yeah, think it's it a little not. more like salad dressing for me rather than like, oh my God, I'm so obsessed not. with this movie yeah. that this has. Oh, sorry, Kyle. It does not. Yeah, it does not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is This is somewhat remindful. Um, Futurama did this in their very first episode where they had this little alien language in the background. And this is early internet days where someone cracked the code within like 30 minutes of the episode airing. <laughs> and so from that point, they would be able to post like, this is the secret joke that they wrote into this week's episode. Um, uh, if you know what the alien language is that is being written in the background of this yeah, one funny, scene. Right? Yeah. So it works. <laughs> it's not garbage. I think for me, that stuff would work better 
if he, well, I don't know. See, I think part of the thing is like, he's so bad at noticing these codes that are right in front of his face. Yeah. And has to go digging for all these wild and wacky things. Like they're buried in the old Nintendo power magazine, which leads you to this, which does this thing. Even that seemed by then I was just upset. I mean, if you want to usual suspect it and have them kind of like suddenly have this epiphany mm-hmm. and then go to the fireworks and real, you know, fine. It wouldn't make the movie better, but at least it would address the idea that someone had gone through great lengths hiring an expert to put it into the film. Right. But like to leave it entirely to presume that your movie will become a cult classic is the only reason why you would do that is that you presume that someone will watch it again, which is such an arrogant stance in making a film. It really is, you know. Like, Kyle, we're gonna we're gonna write a movie. I do agree in that, but you should work on narrative or like story yeah. first, and then use all that stuff as like extras. Yes, because I mean, as much as people overanalyze, in my opinion, um, The of Shining course. for like hidden messages yeah. that Cooper was trying to communicate. Cooper didn't give a shit. Like, he just made no, a movie, and yes, he was movie. very particular, and so people have extrapolated on that kind of stuff. Yes. And yes, there is hidden things in there, but they're very specific hidden things that he put oh, in. Even, but it's not like, yeah. oh, I've made this cipher up that people have to decode that will tell them this thing, which, I don't know, does that really add to the movie? I'm a little bit split no. on that. No, you know what it adds to is, uh, like, literally the word cult. That's mm. where it adds to. I'd like to start a cult someday. Anyways, I have a great gazpacho recipe now that I've decoded all these messages in this movie. So that's cool for me. Oh, man. Please tell me that's what the actual code is. <laughs> it's not. I wish it really was. Oh, I that'd think that would be really funny. <laughs> I'd give you an extra star for that. If it turned out, it, that would be funny, right? Yeah. I, if, if it had that high intellectual com- comedic sort of afterthought where they make the code into like a recipe for a guacamole or something, that would be funny. But uh, clearly that's not the case. And it We're done here. The machine has told us that we do have to wrap things up here. So let's move into Critics' Choice. This is the part of the show where we discover what the critics thought at the time this film was released. I'm going to read the positive side of things. This is Alyssa Wilkinson from Vox, who writes, It's no Mulholland Drive, but the point of Under the Silver Lake rhymes with themes from David Lynch's masterpiece. That lifetimes of watching others has instructed us in how to be watched ourselves. I do want to say one thing about this. Okay. I was going to bring this up earlier. I saw this a lot about how like much this feels like David Lynch. And that feels like someone who has never watched a David Lynch thing in their yeah. entire life. Because that is the last uh, thing I had in my mind that this reference. I'm surprised Mulholland Drive came up. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. Alyssa's well, getting paid. We're not. So maybe I'm the dumb one. I'm not sure. Because that's Vox. It's not even like Letterboxd. No. Nope. It's a published author who studies this shit. <laughs> and presumably... Oh. Academically, Listen, I am also like making this comparison. not the biggest David Lynch fan, but he definitely has a very definitive visual style and, and yeah, tone. He's a fucking weirdo. Yeah. Again, if he had made this movie with Nick Cage, that's a cult classic. That's a cult classic. Right? <laughs> yeah. I get Kristen Lopez from Cultures. Mm-hmm. Sure. Under the Silver Lake is a giant piece of gold flaked poo that thinks it's special when it should be flushed away. Nice. Very yeah, succinct. Agree. <laughs> Dave, does this hold up and is it still culturally relevant? No, it's a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's a piece of poo. Piece of poo. <laughs> I don't even know if there's gold flakes in it. I... Yeah. With the gold flakes, it's still worth something. So <laughs> I am going to go on Buck the Trend and I'm going to say uh, it does hold score. up. But yeah. I don't think it's culturally relevant. I'm not going to go that far and be like, oh my God, this is like the most cultural. Like, Cyphers, no one, man. No one talks about Got this. Perhaps. Like, maybe. 
in 15, 20 years from now, it has gained like I like, like how at the beginning of the episode it was 10 years and now we're at 15, 20. <laughs> yeah, right. And if we record for another 15 minutes, get up to like 30. Listen, at least by 2077, <laughs> you know, this film <laughs> will have this huge following through it. I mean, anecdotally, I do yeah, consistently yeah. see this movie being referenced at like Diamonds and the Rough, like me. Movies you haven't heard of, but you'll really love, or like movies that were ignored at the time, but people got right, wrong. Right. Like it's constantly put into those lists. I've never even heard of it, so yeah, I don't know what Dave, subreddits you subscribe to. What are you to? talking about? <laughs> we do need to rate this film, but before we do, that's what Dave and I thought. What do you think? You can send any feedback to Cal and Dave at vsthemachine at gmail You can also find us on Twitter or Instagram with the handle kdvstm. If you want to see the entire list of films we've watched and the ratings we've given, you can go to our letterbox page at letterbox.com slash KDVSTM. Dave, out of five, what are you going to give under the Silver Lake? So my emotional rating last night and this morning and about 10 seconds before we started this was a one. Mm-hmm. A one. Uh, and then you posed the question comparing it to Venom, which I gave a 0.5, I think. Yes. And uh, obviously a million dollar deck. So I think I'm going to stay at a one. I don't know. I'd like to push up to one and a half, uh, but I'm not going to because I actually know your score. Here's the thing. So, uh, yeah. I just have a very different perspective of what terrible movies are. <laughs> um, I know. Like I have to either think it's shoddily made or sure. it's, it's not. so no. morally reprehensible that it, like I just cannot engage with it. And I know that's what you're saying this is for you, but like oh, nowhere oh. close does this movie get into some, one of like the worst things <laughs> I've ever watched. Yeah, and I will uh, openly admit I'm very emotional about it right now because I'm so upset. So this is not meant on some, like we've always wondered if we should have some kind of like a complex algorithmic score, yeah. you know, give it like a, some kind of weighted average for cinematography and acting performance, all this shit. But we rate them on impulse and my impulse is that I never want to fucking talk about this piece of shit ever again. Sure. So I yeah. very frankly, am probably going to rewatch this movie again at some point. I do like it. I want to uncover even more of the <laughs> little things it has. Shock the listeners. Shock, shock it. the listeners. I'm this yeah. a four. So we are very <laughs> divided on our reactions to this movie. <laughs> so that I, I said what they said. Amazing. I enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed the performances. Yeah, yeah. I have some caveats. I don't think this is a masterpiece. I don't think it's one of the greatest films of all time. Four is high, man. Solid. I love to see our other fours. What is our greatest divide? It's not this. Maybe Omega no, Man? Our, no. Uh, to, to this day, our greatest divide is the South Park movie, where you gave it a 0.5 we, and we, I gave it a 5. We watched South Park? That was a long time ago, yeah, eh? it's our first season. What was that movie about? Uh, it's one of the best musicals of all time, Dave, if you don't remember. I Honestly, I have a full blank. That's crazy. I cannot even picture... South Park? Yeah, all I'm getting is images of Team America. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> so... Like, I literally blocked it out. <laughs> that's all right. Anyways, that's still, to this day, our greatest divide. So, that's going to average to 2.5. There's only one film that that is tying with currently, which is Ralph Breaks the Internet. <laughs> Which I think, I don't care how you feel, I think this is better than that movie, in my opinion. It's trying I for love, more, so I give it an extra point for that. I love that we have to compare this. <laughs> you never compare these two movies, ever. Yeah, put it wherever you want. I'm not going to watch either of them again, so uh, right. do what you will. Well, I'm going to put it above it, so. <laughs> Ralph breaks the internet. Entering our list into the new number uh, 20 position. 
This, we're so all I, like literally our last five weeks have all been in this section, like all around this. So this uh, is going, I looked ahead. We have to have a serious talk about the rest of the season. Dave, you don't even like good movies, so I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. So I, like, I, I think I looked and I, I was like, the only one I want to watch is probably Searching. Like of things I've never seen uh-huh. before, and uh, that's it. This is Hold my on, impression of Dave Young. Oh, I want something that's challenging and like that's something that I need to engage with. And then you watch them, like I hated it. Didn't tell me enough. It was like doesn't make any sense. Then it's like, well, let's watch like Mamma Mia or something like that. Totally fluffy. Oh, it's like not serious enough. I, mean, I need something that's <laughs> going to challenge me. Like it's like uh, you can never be happy. You never have anything. I'm just looking. Well, obviously I'm never happy. Otherwise I wouldn't be doing this podcast. <laughs> happy. Give me a break. <laughs> Which one of us happy? We just have to accept. What is the line in this piece of shit movie? We just got to accept uh-huh. suffering and death. Yeah, um, Dave. That is that is literally what life is all about. Accept the suffering. So it's above Ralph breaks the internet, underneath Green Book. That is where it's going into the list. Uh, we push this button to see what movie we're watching here next week. Yes, we are watching Sorry to Bother You, the first yeah. movie by Boots Riley. Um, a really it was on Netflix for so long. figure. I got, honestly, I think I got halfway through it. And uh, maybe because I was watching with Helen, I just couldn't, couldn't finish we'll it. We'll see. Uh, I, mean, I mean, you're the one who we'll complained see. about uh, Black Klansmen not um, being provocative mm-hmm. enough. So, I mean, if you want to talk about it's just movie, totally. Well, I think we can both agree tonally that movie's mm-hmm. it's trying too hard. Dave, I want you to do something for me if you can remember. I tr- I really want to because I do this for anyone who I know is about to watch this movie and hasn't and doesn't know Which where one? it goes. Oh, sorry to bother you. Okay, yeah, yeah. Watch it again. Rewatch the first bit at the fifteen-minute yeah. mark. Watch the yeah. first fifteen minutes, even like the first yeah. act, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pause it. And write down on a little post-it note. Take a dump. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. you told me this last time. And then be like, this is how I think the movie's going to end. Nothing crazy. It's like, he's going to get the girl or whatever. Just write down what you think is going to happen and then bring that with you next week and be shown how totally wrong you are. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I I think I really wanted to watch this film because I think uh, maybe some film critics or a review I read said the exact same thing. And then the Netflix trailer, it's like... At the time, was was it a trailer? Maybe on YouTube. It just seemed like a fucking nuts. And I was like, oh, this is kind of like my jam. And that first 10 movies, as weird as it can be, I was like, I don't understand why I'm watching this. Because, uh, so, you know, maybe I just didn't get to that hump where it all started to descend. I think it all makes sense so we'll, in the end, we'll talk personally. Yeah, just like this one. I think this, uh, I will say, sorry to bother you, I think has a much more clear theme that it is dealing with. I'll, well, I'll if it has way. a theme... It'll be more right, clear sure. than the movie we Dave, just reviewed. What do you think this <laughs> secret message means that they gave us here? I think I've made it abundantly clear, Kyle. I do not give a fuck about cryptography. Well, so, wait a second. Uh, if you take the first letter <laughs> of each animal's name, what it, what it spells out here is you are dead? Oh, no. Then I'll talk about the two aspects of this podcast I don't like. I'll give you a hint they rhyme with style and shave.